Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 121st time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a lot of news and I've watched some things and then we'll get to today's topic. <laughs> so let's get started. When I say we have a lot of news, I really mean it. This is probably the biggest news segment we're about to have. I think it's owing to the fact that it's a new, you know, getting into the new season and therefore a lot of announcements are coming up and so on. But yeah, it's really exciting. First thing I wanted to just shout out very quickly is all the comics that have come out in the past few weeks. So first one is actually a brand new story called Ginka and Luna. I do need to say that Luna is spelled G-L-U with an umlaut and A. This is a comic about a magical snowman who is teaching a lone girl living in the mountains about magic. Uh, this one is being produced by Jump Plus, and so therefore, if you are outside of Japan, you can actually read this for free over on Manga Plus. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Then um, volume two of The Black Cat and the Witch's Classroom also dropped last week, which was cool. Very exciting. Um, I still haven't read this, even though my spouse is literally buying these so I can freely access them. I will get to it at some point, I promise. <laughs> then we have Mermaid Melody, Peach Peach Pitch Aqua, volume two. This is the reboot series that is a sequel starring Lucia's daughter, Lucia Nanami. I haven't read it yet, so I can't comment on it. And then we have Tokyo Mew Mew Olay, Volume 8. And we also have Magilumiere Co. LTD, Volume 4. Also, another thing I wanted to shout out, which is webcomic wise. So back in episode 12, we did talk to the lovely Kristen about her comic, 12 of Magic and Muses, and I'm delighted to announce that it is officially all done. You can now read the entirety of this series online. So just a big congratulations because finishing any webcomic is always an amazing feat and very few get the opportunity. So go wish her congratulations and then also please go read the comic if you haven't caught up. <laughs> yes. Next, so other announcements. One is not an official announcement yet technically, but Miraculous Ladybug Season 5 is definitely on the way, and we know this because we already have showtimes listed over here in Japan, where it's currently airing um, Season 4 on TV. I haven't seen any other announcements since then, but having that information just tells us that, yeah, we're getting this soon. That's pretty exciting. Next, Owl House. Surprise! We got Season 3. This one is very interesting because I was pretty convinced that there was gonna be a cancellation after season two but creator dana terrace did make the announcement last week so that was super exciting and there are already a lot of little speculations about things based on the kind of key visuals if you will 
that have been brought up over on the socials. But yeah, very excited for that. And one more animated series that has been announced called uh, Magical Girls Pre-Magica. So this is a net series that was originally starting to be on YouTube, but kind of just shut down for a while. It wasn't, there was a PV and stuff, but nothing new was coming out of it. But they finally made new announcements that they are in fact going to continue this series. It does seem to be kind of like part VTuber based. It's a little unclear, but in any case, it's, you know, an official restart. They're doing these, uh, you know, kind of introductions to various characters and so on. So that's pretty cool, pretty exciting in any case. And probably you'll be able to watch it on YouTube, I believe, but I'm not sure. In any case, links to the Twitter and YouTube channels are in the show notes. Finally, uh, Magical Destroyers, which announced their PV quite a while back, made the announcement and uh, released a new PV or promotional video and announced that they will be coming sometime next year. It's literally not more clear than that, but they did make announcements regarding voice actors. So I'm very delighted that the first one features Fire's Eye, who was previously Cure Summer in Chocobo Rouge Precure, as well as Tokiwa Anzai in Mugle Dreamy. So definitely happy to see that she is playing yet again another magical girl. So we love that for her. So this does look like it's moving forward subtly and um, we'll probably see more promotional videos in the future. And finally, 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 the last release announcement was actually for a video game called Maho Senshi Cosplay Club. So this one, um, it looks like you are a magical girl, but specifically also one who does cosplay. Um, I haven't read much into this one quite yet, so I'll put some links to articles in the show notes so you can read for yourself, but it looks very cute. <sighs> so with all that, I have watched a lot of things um, in the past two weeks. So of course, um, Ruby Ice Queendom finished this week. And as of this, uh, this episode dropping, Tokyo Mew is about to finish, so that's also exciting. And of course, I've been watching all the other weekly shows, so that's Delicious Party Precure, Resista, Top of Artist, Watcher Primaji, Smile of the Ars Notoria, and Luminous Witches. All of them have been delightful thus far. I will be doing a bonus episode just like last season for the seasonal shows over on the Kofi feed, so you can check it out there when that comes out probably in the next few weeks, once once all of these shows get around to finishing up. But yeah, I also finished some things. So <laughs> I finished the first season of Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, and it was really interesting to finally watch. I can understand why this show is so popular and why this show is still going today. I can also see that there are a lot of interesting problems with the show as well. I definitely want to learn more about the lore and stuff, which, you know, it was a fairly episodic show, so we didn't get much of that, but it was pretty cool to check out. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely will be continuing to watch later seasons, probably within the next few months. We'll see when I get back to it. <laughs> it might need a little break for now. I also finished Angel's Friends season two. So this was a very interesting watch. It's very different from the first season in a lot of ways and you know i tried to take my time watching only two episodes a day so about 30 minutes and it was yeah it was kind of odd but interesting in terms of like more expansion of how being an angel or devil works um there's like more lore stuff 
interesting characters, but there's also a lot of stuff. Um, basically, the the way that the series ended, they were really gunning for a season three that didn't happen. So they left all these little hints and Easter eggs. And I was like, oh, no, this didn't happen, though. So what's up with that? Definitely, this is a series where if I can get my hands on the comic, I would really love to because it is just so peculiar, like, and I want to see what the differences are because I'm sure there are many. <laughs> yeah. On the complete opposite side of things, I also finished watching Magical Girl Sight. This was mm, an interesting watch, I want to say. I don't want to say it was, like, inherently rough. I mean, of course, it were rough moments. It's it's definitely trying to push a lot of buttons. But um, all things considered, I found myself very intrigued by the story. Like, I thought this was going to be a show where I was kind of suffering through every episode because especially the first episode goes very hard with all the dark stuff uh, in terms of, like, all the disturbing things the main character has been going through in her non-magical life before she becomes a magical girl. But, yeah, it wasn't so bad. Like, maybe it's just me, but I found myself actually interested in some of the characters and seeing some of the interesting depictions and stuff. I mean, is it a show I would like recommend to people? Maybe not, but I don't think that it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Though I've seen some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was it was certainly an adventure to say the least. I'm not sure how much I will read the comic. I feel like I need to for the sake of the podcast in terms of like knowing what is happening here. But I don't know if I'm going to be jumping to do that anytime soon because it was a lot and... I'm still a little unsure about what the point of all this was. But, you know, despite everything, it still had a happy ending. So there was that, you know. I didn't hate it. There were certain things I wish were done better. But, yeah, it was um, it was an adventure. <laughs> I don't exactly regret having watched it. It's, it's good to get it out of the way, basically, is how I feel about it. Now I, I'm aware of this section of Magical Girl history and can keep it in the back of pocket, you know, for later use, I guess. <laughs> but with that, I believe that is finally, finally everything I have to talk about. Let's get into today's topic. So today, it's a rare topic revisit, but also we have brought back an old guest. <laughs> She was on for Pre-Tier, which is a delightful episode you should also listen to. But now she's back and we're here to talk about Creamy Mommy. It's been a long time coming and I still feel really guilty about the lack of 80s magical girls that I have discussed on the podcast. I, I do want to get to them, I promise. Um, just, you know, variety of things just up in the air here. But I, yeah, I'm just so excited to get back to this topic. I was so happy to finally watch the show myself and I definitely want to continue to enjoy more magical idols. Of course, I'm enjoying Watch It Primaji as well, but that could not be more different of a show in general. But yeah, Creamy Mommy was like, you know, the originator in so many ways. Of course, you know, other magical girls have kind of dabbled in idoldom, but as far as like deliberate idol magical girls, Creamy Mommy is like the first. So that's pretty cool. And it's really nice to revisit. I still think the old chat with Laffy is definitely worth listening to. But of course, at that point, I'd only watched like one episode 
at all of the show, so I had nothing to go on back then, and now I am more prepared, so. Yeah, it was a really delightful chat. This series is also very, very, very accessible. So um, right now, if you want to, you can watch this series either on Retro Crush or on Tubi, which my understanding is Tubi is extremely free with just a bunch of ads. This is one of those like more recent things that I have heard pray tell of, but I don't know much about. So yeah, check out the series there. I believe that should be generally the place to go for most of these. And yeah, I am just so excited about, you know, today's chat. I think it was a very lovely one. As always with any of these episodes, you know, especially the older ones, we're going to have a few warnings to give. So just keep in mind before you watch the show or get into today's chat that uh, Creamy Mommy does contain, well, first of all, some light nudity, but also some unfortunate, like, half-nude children in the series, as well as um, just really unfortunate, uncomfortable age gap problems with romantic relationships. Yeah, those are like the two main things I would say about the show to keep in mind as you watch. And yeah, just also uh, with one of the side characters, there is a troubling amount of fat phobia in the show. So yeah, I think that's everything that we have to mention up here, and I really hope you enjoy today's chat with Magical Magdad about Creamy Mommy. here today to finally get back to the 80s with creamy mommy <laughs> and i'm mm-hmm. very excited for our returning guest can you please introduce yourself yes so i am mag or uh, magical magdad on twitter and instagram i'm 19 and right now i am a art college student studying illustration uh, i do cosplay as well and i have my own webcomic yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get more into that stuff uh, later. But first, what have you been enjoying in the magical girl genre since your last time on the podcast? The last time I was on was actually a while ago. Yes. It was a few <laughs> years ago. So since then, Tropical Rouge and Delicious Party have come out. So I've been watching those. Also right now, Tokyo Mew Mew New. Hmm. And then as for revisiting like older Magical Girl shows, I've mostly just been diving into these older, more retro shows. So I watched Pastel Yumi, I've been watching Magical Emmy, I watched Cutie Honey, and I've watched a bit of uh, Majoko Megu and even Sally the Witch, like bits and pieces that I've been able to find. And I'd love to try and find more, but it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's, it definitely gets more difficult as you go back <laughs> further and further. Mm-hmm. So when you say Cutie Honey, are you talking about the original um, 1973 Cutie Honey? Yeah, but I also did find some episodes of Cutie Honey F, the one from the 90s, and that Mm -hmm. was my favorite so far. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, (laughs) You know, different uh, demographics and stuff. So Mm -hmm. awesome. So definitely getting a lot of old and a lot of new, (laughs) which is cool. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to talk today about Creamy Mommy. This is embarrassingly the the first time we're actually talking in full about an 80s series on the podcast so Mm -hmm. that's fun but 
yeah, so this is a year-long show. This is the beginning of the Studio Piero Magical Idol series. And this is from 1984. So definitely right in the middle of the 80s. And it's a very 80s show in a lot of ways, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for anyone who does not know about uh, Magical Angel Creamy Mommy, this is a series about a 10-year-old girl named Yu who manages to see a spaceship called the Feather Star. And because she was able to see it and even go on board, which is like a very trippy first episode in general, she is given the ability to use magic for about a year. And she also gets some little helpful fairy friends, two little cats named Pazzi and Nega, who are very cute. And uh, they can talk to her, but if anyone else is listening in, all they hear is meowing. When she uses the magic, she gets older. Her teal hair becomes uh, lavender. And, you know, she has, like, very cute outfits. And it's here that she ends up starting a career as an idol. She gets picked up by a production studio. And she's she's very busy and is, like, now balancing, like, regular elementary school life with uh, idol life after school. Yeah. So, Meg, what is your history with Creamy Mommy? So I watched it for the first time in late 2020 on Retro Crush, and I just kind of fell in love with it. I really like the aesthetic and like the vibes of these older shows, so I always try to seek it out uh, when I can. And for this recording, this was my first rewatch of it, mm. so it's been a, about a year or two since I watched it. Do you think that you noticed anything different upon rewatching the series? Ah. Uh... Well, I did remember, like, there's so many very strange things that happened that I'd forgotten about, because mm-hmm. I feel like in my mind, I'd kind of just remembered all the parts that I liked. But it was very interesting to look back and remember the variety of stuff that happens in this show, not just like the couple episodes that I remembered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a wide variety. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it, you know, remembering that this was a show that was airing for, you know, about a year, we have like, a really interesting selection of like very episodic shows so you know a lot of the episodes are about like mommy going through like idle shenanigans but there are a lot of episodes where it's just you going through like exploring magical things it's very interesting to see those differences and sometimes you even get to see a little bit about the people around her because she has mm-hmm. basically like her main childhood friend is also her crush Toshio who is uh, 14 and you know, he kind of always has like almost like a big brother kind of relationship with her. And he definitely doesn't really see you as like a potential romantic interest, which is frustrating for her because, you know, she's 10. <laughs> she wants him to notice mm-hmm. her and see her that way. But, you know, they grew up together. But he is like in love with mommy, who everyone believes to be 16. We'll get into like the kind of weirdness with the ages of all the characters when it comes to like romantic stuff later. But um, <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. that is something. But like just generally speaking, it, there's a lot of like really fun childish antics, but then also like sometimes a little bit more serious stuff. But yeah, so like mm-hmm. we get this um, notion like there are a lot of different little rules of stuff and Mommy has to figure some stuff out or mommy. Oh, yeah. Mommy or you has to figure out stuff for herself um, a little bit because like, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that like, she does have these kind of fairy partners, you know, there's some stuff that they don't know either, (laughs) which is interesting. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, a whole big thing about like how she can't be found out. Like if anyone knows that she is mommy, then that will just uh, 
make her lose her magic and everything. So there's that. And mm-hmm. she also has a rival at the production studio named Megumi, who is an amazing character. I love her so much. Yes. She's an 18 year old idol who <laughs> just is constantly very annoyed with like how everyone is just so obsessed with this new idol who just showed up out of nowhere. She tries to figure out like if there's a connection between mommy and you and it's a whole bunch of shenanigans for you to try to like make it look like she and mommy are not the same person. That's a lot of stuff like that. But yeah. So getting into like early episodes and stuff, what should we talk about first? Should we talk about actually let's just generally talk about Yu's parents because they're very interesting and we get the we get to see them the most in episode 11 which is really like about them but mm-hmm. like generally speaking it's such a good such an interesting like kind of set of parents i guess <laughs> yeah i agree yeah yeah i do think it's a great dynamic yeah i do love how Hugh's mom is more of like the hothead you know she's really like the one that takes charge like she's such a um like furious driver that's one thing that's funny about her and you see that throughout the series like there's this one episode where she's like driving the the van and she's like cutting people off and everybody else is like oh my god (laughs) slow down so yeah yeah. seeing that Mm -hmm. they met in like a motorcycle gang where she was the leader oh my goodness it was such a good twist and I loved it and also it kind of like makes me think of where you kind of inherited her more like hothead brash traits from mm-hmm. so I love to see that yeah yeah it's very interesting so um the show is called creamy mommy because that's like the name that mommy gives herself right and creamy is almost being treated like a surname but it does come from the name of used parents shop which is the creamy crepes and it's such an interesting thing because like this is also one of the the rules of um studio piero's magical girls is that their parents must run a small business, which is such an interesting rule yep. to have. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, their crep shop is like a kind of recurring thing. She is supposed to help out more than she does. So, you know, sometimes she's not around and that does become a problem, mm-hmm. you know. But generally speaking, like we mostly just see them like working together, but like they're also still clearly like in love with each other also. So it's really fun. Yes. Also that. Yeah. <laughs> they're very cute. Yeah. What do you think of you slash mommy as a protagonist, as a lead character? Yeah, she's so lovable to be like, yeah, I love the way she grows throughout the show. You know, I think she's very relatable, kind of having this unrequited crush. I think that's a thing that a lot of people experience when they're younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also just love her personality, how she's just sort of like, she does things sometimes and you're like, yeah, a kid would do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. She really just goes for it sometimes, and I love that for her. Like, as mommy, sometimes she forgets that she's mommy, so she'll say something and have to, like, cover it up. Same with if she forgets that she's you. Like, yeah, it's very believable, I think, that she's a kid, which I love. Yeah, yeah, and you can definitely see that, like, you know, when she's mommy, she it very clearly is acting a lot more childish than what you would expect a 16-year-old to be like. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot to be said about like how that's treated by others where it's like, you know, she's so childlike and innocent and that's like a part of her appeal. But like you is just such a normal kid in a lot of ways. It's really fun. Yeah. Again, like I love the episodes where it's just her going on an adventure and stuff. And, you know, we also have um, Midori who we'll definitely talk about more later. But Midori is like 
Toshio's friends, question mark, or at least is always hanging out with Toshio. And yeah. um, he's like madly in love with you, like to the same degree that Toshio is obsessed with mommy. So it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. Hmm. It kind of reminds me of Miraculous Ladybug in a way. Oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, like Adrian loves Ladybug and Marinette loves Adrian. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a similar dynamic for people who are familiar with that show. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think. definitely. That's a really good comparison, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Creamy Mommy was also very popular in France. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a connection there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, so like they're, you know, just generally the, the kind of different antics are a lot of fun. But yeah, because there's like all this space magic and stuff, it does lead to a lot of interesting shenanigans down the line. So mm-hmm. I think uh, we want to talk about episode 13, right? <laughs> yeah. Creamy Mommy from the Mirror World. Mm-hmm. She gets trapped in a house of mirrors and I think lightning strikes it. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens? Something electrical. Yeah. And it somehow spawns a shadow clone from like the mirror dimension. And it's the evil Creamy Mommy. So she does things to try and ruin Mommy's image. Mm-hmm. Like she's very mean to people and some other strange things yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) but yeah she's very interesting because yeah she wants everything that you doesn't want from mommy's career so yes it gets very like there's a confrontation and it's like oh yeah this is a fake mommy and this happens like in public too so like i don't know what other people think is going on (laughs) yeah that part's not really resolved which is one thing i actually like about the show is that sometimes they just choose not to resolve weird plot holes yeah 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 also, the ending is one of those that reminds me of a lot of the earlier episodes where you encounter something supernatural and she opts to like resolve the matter by being kind to the entity. And mm-hmm. I think that happens a few other times early on in the show, mm-hmm. which I like. I think it's a very classic magical girl virtue to sort of choose to be kind to yeah. whoever it is you're opposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I agree, it's very... Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that that episode is, you know, definitely like a little, mm, I guess a little like avant-garde in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it is definitely like very interesting to see like what would the opposite of Mommy be like, you know, and again, these the series is fairly episodic, so a lot of the episodes like just never get talked about again in terms of like what happens. Yes. So just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you have to remember that, like, a lot of these shows are made so that, like, you know, you don't have to go and watch it every week. But, like, hey, it's it's this day. We should go watch. We should go watch Creepy Mommy. It's that kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think this is one of those shows that it makes sense to pace your watching of it. Mm-hmm. Like, watching one episode a week might actually be better for a show like this, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely could be, like, yeah, one episode one episode a week or one episode a day, like just, you know, to really kind of let it all sink in because, yes, yeah, there's always a lot going on to talk about. So do you want to talk about episode 23, which is more about Tachibana and Megumi? Yeah, so Megumi gets fed up of getting no recognition for carrying Parthenon Productions, which is the production company, mm-hmm. as she should, because she's really carrying them. <laughs> and basically, she kind of sends Shingo on this goose chase to figure out where she's hiding at, you know, so that he can prove that, like, he still, you know, cares about her and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And there's this flashback towards the end of the episode where you sort of see like Megumi's a little bit younger, Shingo's a little bit younger, the production company is kind of starting to debut Megumi. I think it's maybe right before her debut. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the uh, new comic that started publishing a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Creamy Mommy and the Spoiled Princess, which is the story from Megumi's point of view, which at first, like, I picked it up and I was like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to like this because it's from Megami's point of view, even though I really like Megami. But it definitely provides some interesting insight into what Parthenon was like before Mommy joined. Mm-hmm. And this episode kind of gives us like a glimpse of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the comic is translated as well, right? In English? Yeah, there's a fifth volume that hasn't been translated yet, but it will be soon, I believe. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's up to seven uh, in Japanese, so... Oh, or maybe it's volume six. I can't remember. I own all the ones that are printed in English, though. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely can't wait to check it out as well, because it looks really interesting. And there's a lot to be said about, like, making a good idol rival, like, not just for, you know, a magical idol series, but like for an idol series in general. And I think that Megumi is a really great uh, rival character, because, like, you understand, like, she's got her own thing to do. And like, like, if you look at things from her perspective, it's like, yeah, just generally like terrible that like everyone just became so fascinated and obsessed with like this new idol and are like just kind of dropping her or not really giving her the respect that she deserves, but she's also yes. just as capable and everything. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder if like uh, if a kid watched this, they'd feel the same level of sympathy for Megumi that I feel like I do as an older person now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it's I never watched the show as a kid, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to think about because, like, I mean, she does sometimes do things that are a little mean to to mommy, but like she also helps her out a lot. So, yes, yeah, it, it's interesting to see like what she thinks is important and and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think that like there's a lot of like comedy with her character, like because she's always um, being disrespected. Like her general go to reaction is to like slap touch button in the face um which yes. is kind of funny but um it's a kind of constant gag so like i don't think that we're meant to like hate her character i think i think she can yeah be definitely sympathize not with yeah which i like i like to see the nuance in a show this old i think it's good <laughs> yeah for sure so yeah i guess uh shall we get to the kind of mid-season points <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so um you know as he said like there are a lot of rules about using the magic but the main one being that you cannot let anyone know that she is mommy it's like a very important thing that she doesn't or else she won't be able to use her magic anymore but of course you know toshio being both Yu's friend and also mommy's biggest fan and i forgot to mention that like there's a point pretty early on in the series where like toshio kind of just ends up hanging out at the studio a lot like yes and Midori (laughs) yeah it's like they're just like there all the time and like going to see like the filming and things and like I don't know how normal that would be for like fans to just like become like part of the whole thing but like it's just kind of just like oh yeah they're there and like when they go out on like excursions and stuff sometimes they're there too and it's like okay this is fine I guess (laughs) (laughs) it makes no sense but I kind of love it yeah. And I feel like a character like Mommy's manager, who I didn't think we were going to bring up, but yeah, Mommy's manager, Kitokoro, like I feel like seeing these kids that really love Mommy, he'd be like, oh yeah, we should totally hang out because, you know, he just doesn't really have anything else going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. It's funny. <laughs> Her manager is 
an interesting character. Um, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really have a lot going for him, except like he just wants to be good at his job. Yeah. Like the one episode about him is like kind of weird, but like not really anything to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, you know, the, the midway point in episode 26 also forgot to point this out but i think it's important uh, for a series like this where we have a girl who is like transforming is uh there's no stock footage for her transformation yeah yeah every time that we watch her transform it's you know a completely brand new animation which is very impressive it really is some of the animation in the show is really impressive upon mm-hmm. rewatch yeah yeah for sure but uh yeah so you know Toshi is going to try to talk to I can't remember if he's trying to talk to you or going to talk to mommy but he goes to mommy's uh, dressing room and watches you transform into mommy which means that he now knows the secret Mm -hmm. because it happened when she was transforming into mommy now she is kind of stuck as mommy which is you know terrifying for her because you know she wants to go back to being you she wants to go back to her yeah regular life but you know her like her magic stick just uh turns completely into stone and it's like you know really troublesome and everyone's like oh no what are we gonna do so it really looks like maybe this is the end and she's she's not gonna be able to like you know transform back or anything Mm -hmm. so um you know in a kind of act of desperation you know the cats posi and nega decide to go find the feather star and um toshio like tries to follow along too because like He's obviously trying to make sense of everything because it's like, wait, you've been mommy this whole time. What's going on? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's there like uh, we haven't mentioned this character yet, but um, there's like, I guess the leader of the Feather Star is uh, or a captain is like Pino Pino, this yeah. very weird little silver alien um, who has a toy of it and like appears in like a lot of the like the opening ending stuff so like seems important but is barely in the show and yeah. um <laughs> but um like when it comes to like the most alien looking creature in the show it's it is pino pino mm-hmm. but uh yeah pino pino makes a deal with toshio that um you know if he's willing to sacrifice his memory and wipe his memory of of what happened then they can actually bring the power back so that like you can become mommy and and stay able to like transform back and forth and everything everything going back to the way it was and he does so and so that's when we learn that like toshi was a good person sometimes yeah yeah (laughs) that's really where his arc sort of has one of its biggest moments where he like makes a very selfless decision Mm -hmm. which i love to see him and those pair of episodes are just very interesting like a lot of interesting stuff happens in that second episode when they're kind of in feather star but yeah and then the first episode like of that two-part where mommy she's stuck as mommy is so devastating oh my god Mm -hmm. i really felt for her it was a really well done episode yeah it's interesting because something very similar happens really really early on in um the original akko-chan she like loses her compact and is thus unable to transform back into herself and like mm-hmm. has a crisis about it, so it's it's an interesting thing to like kind of see uh, happen again here, because it would be terrifying. Like she was having a fun time. Like this is kind of like a playing around thing. Like she wasn't even that serious about becoming an idol in the beginning. Yeah. So like this is all like just gonna be like a little just like remember that weird year where I could be an idol <laughs> kind <laughs> of thing. So yeah, it was very interesting to see, and then again like seeing Toshio be uh so kind as to like sacrifice himself that way is 
is also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess for the, the second half, because things do get even weirder and, and more interesting, um, yes. I want to make this the spoiler point for anyone who has not yet watched the show. Uh, please do. It is it is very lovely, um, <laughs> generally a good time, uh, and is very, very accessible right now. So yes, definitely worth checking out. So the second half of the show, the first thing that happens is we get introduced to a new character, a new classmate named Mamoru. I don't know why they brought him on the show, but he's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I kind of get it. You know, introduce a new character in the second half. It makes sense, but they don't use him that much in the second half. So it's a little mm-hmm. strange, but he's there. Yeah. Yeah. He loves cats. So like mm-hmm. he gets very in tune to like Posse and Nega and like wants to be their friend. And it's like, look at these weird little cats. I love this. What's going on here? And he was like, uh, anyway, they're totally normal. Uh, let's, uh, but like, yeah. So like, before you know it, like he's also sometimes hanging out doing like mommy business and stuff for mm-hmm. no discernible reason. Um, yeah. But just like the first half of the show, there's a lot of like weird shenanigans, weird little like magic things. There's the circus episode, which is really weird. It was like a haunted yeah. doll takes over Mamoru's body. Mm-hmm. Oh, we haven't talked about Snake Joe yet, but uh, Snake Joe also has, like, his own episode as well in the second half. I think he's a really interesting character, too. Yeah. Because, like, well, as his name suggests, he is a snake, right? He is a paparazzo um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's trying to get, like, the scoop on idols and stuff. And and it causes a lot of trouble in a lot of ways. It's, like, really, like, what are you doing to the 16-year-old girl? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, he does have his own episode in the second half where he finally also, because he becomes obsessed with trying to figure out who Mommy is, which is really fun. And then he tries to get like a kind of candid camera show to prank Mommy's parents and therefore Mommy. Like, it's very interesting because, you know, obviously you's parents don't know that you is Mommy. And so when they try to do like this thing... He, like, hires an actor to play a criminal and try to, like... Yeah, it's it's really wild. He tries to, like, get Mommy to exclaim, like, Mom, because he wants the criminal to, like, threaten her mother. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And then when they yeah. sort of all, like, shut Snake Joe down, he kind of has, like, this mm-hmm. descent into madness. Not, well, not full-out madness, but, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I swear, I saw her say it before. Like, yeah, it's very interesting. The reasoning is also very interesting because we don't talk about like how old Yu's parents are we have no idea mm-hmm. but the reason that they know that like there's no way that mommy could possibly be this child of you know these two is because like uh, you know mommy is 16 and it turns out that Yu's mother is 28 <laughs> because yeah. it's like she was like literally 18 years old when she had her which is wild but it's like for that reason it's like the math is not mathing, so <laughs> right. this can't be my kid. Yeah, it's very fun. Because she's the one that like gets furious, like, how old do you think I am that I could have a kid this old? It's, yeah, it's very, very in character for her. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and you wanted to talk about episode 37, which is also a very interesting, very spooky episode. <laughs> yeah, how spooky it actually is kind of caught me off guard. Like I'd almost forgotten. I remember this episode because it's just so striking, but mm-hmm. it's this episode about a haunted wedding dress mm-hmm. that mommy has to wear for a fashion show, but it's cursed. 
and then mm-hmm. it's sort of like a thriller horror episode and it's even like directed that way visually it's very interesting like from a mm-hmm. direction standpoint and it just gets more and more suspenseful and creepy and i was honestly really surprised with it rewatching it the ending yeah. of the episode is a little bit meh but like how else could you have ended a kid show episode so sure. i get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the episode itself is just such an interesting episode to watch i honestly think that if you were going to watch one episode of this show and you didn't really have an interest in watching the others for the story this is one of the ones that would might be interesting to watch because it's just kind of its own thing yeah for sure it's like i just felt like i was watching a different show kind of <laughs> yes yeah it was very interesting for sure yeah I'm trying to think of any other particular episodes that we need to discuss after this uh, before we get to like the real end of show stuff. Mm. Yeah, like looking at like kind of the random episodes. I do need to point out that uh, Snake Joe does uh, find himself a wife and has a change of heart, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah, he turns over a new leaf. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it's kind of cute because it's, again, it's like the kind of like magical girl thing. of like all the villains becoming good at the end. It's like, well, the only villain mm-hmm. is Snake Joe, so it's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's there's the episode with the Goku boy. I totally forgot. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is very important to point out because it this episode aired before Dragon Ball Z started. Or Dragon Ball, I guess, the original comic. Yeah, there's a boy with weird psychic powers and he has, you know, short black hair, but when... He's like using his powers to the full extent of them. His hair becomes golden and is like spiky. And it's like, wait a second, what's going on here? Uh, I'm sure this is something that predates the show, but it is very funny to point out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The helicopter episode is also really weird. Oh, yes. (laughs) Shingo should not have a helicopter license. That, okay. In general, like, so Shingo is like 20 years old. There's a lot of questions about like what he's able to do and why he's in the position that he's in. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's because daddy, but like, it's just like very, (laughs) it's like, what is happening? He's a nepotism baby. Yes. But sometimes the show kind of has to make him seem older than he is, like, for it to make sense that he's this high-ranking person at the studio. And then Mm -hmm. other times he's, like, clearly, obviously, still very young, like, in the Mm -hmm. helicopter episode when he can't fly a helicopter. Yeah, and it's like, why don't you guys hire someone who can fly a helicopter? I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, it's very weird. Very weird. But yeah, they they fly into a dimension. Um, It's a lot of weird dimension stuff. There's also the... The time, uh, weird time episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting episode. Yeah, yeah. And just like all kinds of weird little things. Yeah, honestly, like mm-hmm. every kind of supernatural phenomena you can think of, not every, but a lot of them happens mm-hmm. in this show. Like they really cover all the bases, which I really like. There's just <laughs> yeah. a very wide variety of episodes. <laughs> yeah, again, extremely episodic, extremely strange, but a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, near the end of the series, we do get into some little heavier stuff, starting with episode 47, which is a kind of classic idol problem of they want her to do some acting and the acting she's going to do is in a movie that has a kissing scene. Mm-hmm. For the sake of the, the plot of the show, they decide that this is the first scene that she's going to be filming of the movie, which is an interesting choice. But um <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, you know, this whole thing about like, you know, choosing the actor to play her. Like, she gets the role. And so they go through the auditions of choosing the guy who will be her love interest. And so, you know, uh, Toshio also auditions and 
he doesn't yes. get it because he's not an actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, they eventually go with this one guy who's like a kind of famous actor and has a lot of fans and his fans really don't want him to be in this movie kissing someone which is mm -hmm. really weird and so they have like this whole thing of like they're trying to sabotage the film shoot Toshio is also there and is like dealing with his own feelings of like I don't want mommy to kiss anyone else but wait why yes. does it matter like a lot of parasocial relationship stuff going on in this episode absolutely yeah yeah so interesting but I do mm -hmm. like that that's another character growth moment for Toshio. Like, he mm -hmm. sees how crazy the actor's fans are and how, it, like, intent they are on messing this up. That he's mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to stop this. Like, they're being crazy. And, like, it kind of makes him reevaluate his own feelings about her, I think. But then the episode mm -hmm. ends with them kissing, so kind of changes it a bit. Yeah, so that was really weird. That was a little yeah. surprising. Yeah. So what happens is like they're like on this um bench for the scene and these girls like knock over the bench so that they both fall. Mm -hmm. Toshio goes to save mommy who's like in this river now and they kiss underwater, which sounds romantic, but like at first I was like, Is she awake? I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I had that reaction <laughs> a lot of the stuff. first time I watched yeah. the show too. I was like, What is going on here? This is weird. <laughs> Yeah, but like, you know, it's the way that it, it kind of works out, like afterwards, it's clear that like, she was awake. So thank goodness for that. But like, yes. it's just a very weird way to do it, I guess. But like, I could understand it being seen as romantic, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but also, I wouldn't expect any less from this show, like yeah. to have them end up kissing in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so so that like, puts in like, a lot of awkward tension, because it's like, Mommy and Toshio kissed, but also Toshio thinks he just kissed Mommy and meanwhile it's actually you and he's like, oh my god, I kissed Toshio as Mommy. This is complicated. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So as we get to the end of the series, of course we know there's a time limit for Mommy to be Mommy because she only has the magic for a year, but not everyone else knows that because people don't know she's using magic. So it gets to this really interesting thing where like she has to convince her manager to like, like basically they're, they're trying to do like a kind of debut anniversary live show. It's like going to be a big show. It's very exciting. But yep. they originally try to schedule it for like after she's not going to have her magic. So she has to go through a lot to convince them to change the dates and everything. Also, this whole time, they don't really use the phrase as often as I expected to hear it. But she is called the 8 p.m. Cinderella. Yep. The phrase only comes up in like three episodes, maybe. But um, yeah, there's the idea that like she cannot work past eight o'clock because, of course, she has to go home because she's a kid. But like they don't know that. So she finally convinces them like, OK, I will uh, I will stay until nine. I'll give you a whole extra hour every day because, you know, she's so busy and um, she mm -hmm. wants to make sure that like the show is perfect. And I think it's episode 50 that is where... Oh, no, not episode 50. It's episode 51 where mm -hmm. um, Toshio decides, oh, I'm going to go listen to Mommy's first single because like everyone's talking about her debut anniversary. And it turns out that um, when he had found out that Mommy was you, he like recorded over the cassette, which is like such a funny like I love when we get <laughs> to like old technology reasons for things happening. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh 
yeah, it turns out that like he had recorded himself being like, I think he says like, I can't believe that you was the angel all along or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, as he's listening back to this old cassette, he like hears himself talking and he's like, I don't remember doing this. What's going on? So now there's like this weird thing where it's like, if he remembers again, then he's going to um, cause even more problems because then like mommy's going to lose her power and turn back into you. But like she needs concert to go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very tense last couple episodes. <laughs> mm, definitely. You got to keep the, the, the tension going, the stress. <laughs> but it's a really interesting finale. Yeah, because um, we do, of course, get that, that last episode is a concert. And so we do get to see her going through her various songs throughout the show, which are all really good. Oh, they're so good. I wish there was more. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just um, really great. Also, just in- incredibly 80s music as well. Yes. Um, and it's great because this this is, you know, again, this is like right in the middle of the 80s. This an incredibly 80s uh, show in so many ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's like all these things that like could possibly go wrong, go wrong. And also, again, Megami like showing up and being amazing. Um, mommy was like, I want to perform by myself. I don't want Megami to open for me. I want to go first and just it just be my show. And everyone else is like, what are you doing? I can't believe you would say that. And Megami's like, all right, you're being selfish. I love that for you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But yeah, so we get that last concert. It's also raining the whole time. And the Feather Star shows up to pick her up in the middle of the show. And there's, again, like with things like magic stuff going on in the middle of her performance, her final performance, there's so many eyes on her. And yet... Mm-hmm. um, I have to wonder what they think is going on. Um, she's also using her magic to change her outfits all the time, which is super fun. Yes. song. A it's lot of great, great looks. <laughs> yeah, she has so many good outfits throughout this show. Like, oh my mm-hmm. god, there are so many good ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, just before her final song, you know, she gets sucked up into the Feather Star, and Pino Pino's like, alright, it's time, because Toshio's remembering, and He's like running around watching from afar also. I don't know why he was doing all that. <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, she's able to convince Pina. Um, it's very cute because he's like, you know what? Oh, I want to watch you sing, actually. So she does get to sing her last song. And then she says goodbye and she disappears forever. And then you goes back to her normal life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very interesting finale. Very cute. <laughs> yeah, it made me very emotional, especially like at the very end after the episode's over, they play like a clip show. Well, not a clip show, but like a bunch of photos of like what happened after the show. And the last mm-hmm. photo is you and Toshio as parents. And oh my God, it just made me cry the first time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. Yeah. They also played the first uh, first ending as mm-hmm. they show all these like, like, you know, images of them and we do see that um, Midori also gets himself a girlfriend, which is nice. Oh, yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's cute to see like they have grown up and, you know, like everything has worked out for them after all. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, very cute. Yeah, and, and also Megumi and Shingo uh, Tachibana do get together also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Or anyone> who's <laughs> wondering. <laughs> she deserves better, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Yeah, we can talk about that in a second. But yeah, uh, just generally, you know, very, just a very cute, very cute show, very sweet. And like, just 
everything was so well done generally speaking um <laughs> yeah i got so emotionally invested in the show like when i started watching the show in 2020 i did not expect to get so invested in it it's just something about it that really like pulled me in mm-hmm. you know did you watch it like because you were mentioning like how you could watch it over like once a week but like how much did you like or i guess at what rate did you watch the show originally <laughs> Yeah, originally it was pretty much, I don't think I stuck to once a week, but I definitely did space my watch out for almost a whole year. Maybe not a whole year, but maybe half a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, maybe that's why it was had such an emotional effect on me because I had watched it over a longer period of time. Yeah, but yeah, this sense. second rewatch was just a binge. I spent the whole last month watching it. It's <laughs> definitely a different experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot, but it's, yeah, it's a great show and just so fun. It's definitely a show I can imagine, like, coming back to again and again. And I think that's true for a lot of uh, fans of Creamy Mommy, is that that's how they enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that being said, we do have to talk about some problematic parts of the show. Um, yes. <laughs> so I guess the first thing to kind of get it out of the way is just again because you is 10 and mommy is 16 uh allegedly it's like this is one of those things where it's like we know she's still 10 years old but like physically speaking she's treated as a 16 year old yes and as you mentioned you know uh megami is 18 that's fine tachibana is 20 and again nepotism baby like he he's at a very high position for how young he is but Mm -hmm. uh he is um you know, very clearly, like, in love with mommy from the beginning. You know, it's like a constant thing. He's, you know, always talking about how wonderful she is. And like, he dreams of her, basically. And it's like, of course, he doesn't know she's 10. But you know her as 16. This is weird. Yeah, it's like, not subtle, even in the beginning. But then there's that one episode where it's like, extremely not subtle. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's very off putting to see definitely yeah yeah she's still 16 so Mm -hmm, it's not great mm -hmm. yeah for sure no one else is ever like hey it's kind of weird that you're into a 16 year old what's going on there right it's very frustrating and you know like with uh with toshio like toshio's um 14 right so like i can understand a 14 year old being like okay a 10 year old girl's into me i'm not really gonna like do anything with this so like it makes sense that like he would like a girl that he thinks is 16 like that makes sense yeah it tracks yeah midori is uh i think also 14 i think they go to school together it's again we don't know enough about midori despite the fact that he is a recurring character yeah we don't even ever see his family i don't even think we see toshio's family which is interesting yeah yeah just like we basically only see people as they are necessary or like a part of Yu's life, you know? Yes. So, so you know, the way that like Toshio treats you makes sense. But of course, you want them to be together because like you love Toshio. So it's cool that like mm-hmm. when they're older, you know, they do get together. But um, yeah, it's right. Hmm. But yeah, and uh, I guess getting to uh, Midori since we brought him up. So Midori is like for me one of the bigger problems of the show generally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you know, for anyone who has not watched Creamy Mommy yet, Midori is in the show from episode one. Again, he hangs out with Toshio all the time. 
it's kind of questionable whether or not they're actually friends. Um, but that's a kind yeah, of Toshio comment. definitely doesn't treat him like a friend. Yeah. But he still tags along with him anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if you look at like the kind of world they're in in general, like it's kind of a, it seems like a small town-ish. So it kind mm-hmm. of makes sense that like, you know, especially because like we already know that you and Toshio grew up together also. That like, you know, you just kind of always are around the people in your neighborhood, I guess, you know? Yeah. And just go to school together and stuff. So it kind of kind of makes sense that like even if they're not like actual friends, it's like, oh well, these are the people I hang out with, so I'm gonna keep hanging out with them. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like that that logic comes up a lot with like older magical girls, I feel like. But from what I've seen, yes. Yeah. So Midori you know, the, the main reason why his character is problematic is just down to the fact that he is a fat character. He is a lot larger than everyone else. And mm-hmm. a lot of his personality traits, other than the fact that he is in love with you, come from his fatness. So, like, he overeats yeah. and, like, complains about, like, being hungry a lot. So, like, it seems to be, like, yeah. a driving force. It's very unfortunate. You know, this is, like, still a problem today in a lot of children's media, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just like it, it kind of sucks but it's there and it's like kind of uh you have to acknowledge it basically when you know talking about this show yeah it's very unfortunate i wish they would have done anything else with him mm-hmm. other than just making him like a coward who loves food mm-hmm. like it's just uh, i did not like it at all and it definitely yeah. a has aged incredibly poorly i would say because like a lot of the rest of the show has aged pretty well considering how old it is but yeah this element some of the mm-hmm. other stuff it's just uh it's not good yeah. at all so the most that we get of midori is episode 48 which is where you and midori go on a date and yes. it's a really weird episode because like you doesn't go on a date with midori because she likes midori she goes on a date to like make toshio jealous um Mm-hmm. And then it like turns into this weird thing where like, you know, Midori needs advice. So he asks Mamoru for advice. And I guess Mamoru's hanging out with those two now also. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like Mamoru is like kind of literally just watching over the date. And also like Midori dresses so weird for the date. Like it's not like a bad look, but it's like he's trying so hard to be cool look. <laughs> yes. It's, and he yeah. changes his hair because normally he has like the flock of seagulls hair, which is mm-hmm. another really 80s thing. Yes. I don't know if it's on purpose, but he literally has the same hairstyle. So, you know, I don't actually know if the flock of seagulls were popular in Japan, but that is something to think about. Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like the, the date is like kind of it's a cute date. But, like, there's all this extra baggage behind it, and it's also, like, you know, by the end, Midori's like, I know you're not actually interested in Miyu. It's okay. You should go to Toshio or whatever. And it's, like, it's just sad. It's, like, I want him yeah. to, like, find love. And he does get, like, you know, in the, again, with the finale, we do see that, like, in the future, he does find himself a nice girl. But it's, like, I don't know. Like, there there could have been more for him in the main story. So. I agree. I kind yeah. of think it would have actually been a good idea for them to introduce a love interest for him earlier in the second half. Like, this would actually improve the show a lot. And then we could also have a friend for you that's female. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, kind of that's... character could have been really crucial, I think, actually, in making the second half better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That is another kind of glaring thing about the show is that, like, you 
is surrounded by boys like mm-hmm. all of the fans of mommy are generally seen as boys there's like we also can see like with like major crowds and stuff that there's sometimes little girls because like part of the reason for that date episode is also because um there's like a contest like a raffle to win a date with mommy and they intentionally mm-hmm. chose a little girl to be the winner apparently so that was interesting and that's like sounds really cute because like imagine being a little kid that gets to like hang out with your favorite idol for a date like that's so cute yes <laughs> yeah that's the way that mommy is treated in that way by like the studio and, and stuff like that is very uh, it's very just frustrating <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah she does need at least even one friend who's a girl honestly yeah that's one thing about magical girl shows that always makes me so sad is when they don't have a close female friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's one thing I would change about the show for sure. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that we need to talk about, and this is definitely owing to the time, unfortunately, um, because it is an 80s show and, you know, there weren't mm-hmm. the same regulations on children's television generally. Um, there are quite a few times where both you and mommy have panty shots Mm -hmm. so like the context for when we see them for you is generally like very innocent where it's like she's just a girl that wears a short skirt and she like runs around a lot so like they're gonna like just be seen sometimes i guess yeah but like you don't need to draw that agree there is one episode early on where because like a constant thing with toshio's relationship with you and like how he relates it to mommy is that like well mommy is like this wonderful young woman that like you know he again it's his idol but like you is 10 like she's still not developed yet um she hasn't gone through puberty so like there is an episode early on where like toshi like knocks her over and like makes fun of her underwear for being really childish and it's it's really weird yeah yeah but there's just like a lot of teasing and like he also will make comments about the fact that she doesn't have breasts yet so it's like very frustrating i hated toshio so much until like the middle of the show (laughs) yeah yeah he's definitely not very likable for a lot of the early part of the show which Mm -hmm. i understand because like he grows but it's still unfortunate like the things they choose to depict there with like the underwear and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah definitely dates the show a lot and yeah yeah, very unfortunate When it comes to, like, potential, like, panty shots with Mommy herself, it's more like her character seems to always be wearing, like, leotards and stuff Mm -hmm. with a skirt, a very short skirt. So it's, like, it's not as bad. Like, I guess it's not, like, titillating, really, usually. But that being said, with that uh, episode with the mirror Mommy, um, one of the things that, like, the alternate Mommy does to, like, kind of ruin her image is does modeling it is like very much like she is in very little clothing and it's like really scandalous yeah it's just like very weird like there is literally a shot where it looks like she's not wearing underwear oh i forgot about that yeah i i was very shocked yeah oh man now yeah (laughs) that's so wild yeah yeah not good yeah so that was really weird again it's like yeah of course you know, you slash mommy would never do that, but like this alternate mommy does, and it's like, whoa, what is going on with the show? Like, and then it's also like, who would accept this photo shoot of a sixteen-year-old being half naked like this? Like, it's so weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I wish that they would have just made mommy the same age as Megumi. Like, it would have just fixed a lot of the problems. 
That's a good point, but I also think that would get into other weird territory because you is a child still. Yeah, that's also yeah. true. Yeah. There definitely just needed to be some change. Probably just removing all that stuff entirely. Like, <laughs> yeah. just don't have it. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff like that. It's like, it's very weird. I don't know how the idol industry is treating teenage girls right now in Japan, but I can't imagine it's that much better. Um, yeah. I don't think there are a lot of improvements. And um, yeah, it's just very, it's very weird. Yeah. And this is also a small thing, but I do need to warn people for the first episode of the show, when they go on the Feather Star, there are like fairies that are completely naked. Yep. So it's very shocking. It never happens again, but it's there in the first episode. It makes me wonder what they were thinking. Um, they weren't. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, it was so weird. Again, like largely great show, you know, very fantastical and stuff. But it was like, whoa, what, what is this? It really, really caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, there is like very jarring stuff that dates in mm-hmm. the show. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely something to be mm-hmm. watchful for if you're going to watch the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it is so old, so it's like, I guess I kind of expected that going in. But yeah, it is mm-hmm. very jarring when it does happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's like when you're watching anything, you know, earlier than the 90s, you're going to like just come up with a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, right. The regulations were not the same at the time. So yes. Yeah. If they were to remake Creamy Mommy for whatever reason, which like they don't need to do because it's I think despite its problems, I think that it holds up, generally speaking, as like a pretty standout show. But like if they were to remake the show, then like that would never happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely that just not. would not be a thing. Yeah. That being said, there is one more thing we need to talk about, and that is episode 35. I still don't understand why this episode happened, but uh, as the episode title is uh, suggests, it is an episode where Tachibana has to disguise himself as a woman. Yes. Yeah, it is such a peculiar episode for a lot of reasons. Yeah. It's, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, him dressing as a woman could have been handled worse, but it wasn't handled well. Yeah. And then also the part with his dad. Oh my God. It was so bad. Like, I would say that out of all 52 episodes, this is the only one that I would say, like, skip. Like, it's just not worth the cringe of... at all it's so it's a mess like nothing about it makes me think like oh but there's like a plot reason you gotta watch this like it's just weird like you could uh, again yeah i don't know how this episode like got out (laughs) past the writer's room like i don't know who okayed it but Uh uh i mean there are definitely like worse depictions of men dressed as women after this in magical girls so like yes like you said it could have been worse but it's still not great it's just like huh what why are we doing this yeah so yeah it was it was interesting i think that's all the problematic stuff we have to talk about (laughs) yeah yeah just like it's it's a lot of it is like oh i guess this is the time it's of the time but like it's still like it's there so yeah it still needs to be addressed Mm-hmm. for sure yeah but is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding this series um well i guess in general like one thing about this show that's great is just the visual style and the aesthetics mm-hmm. of the time like i love all mommy's outfits i love the 80s visuals and the opening and the endings mm-hmm. all the songs are great i wish there were more songs i think the second ending 
is my favorite song. Mm. It's such a good song. I listen to it all the time. It's, yeah. yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything else I would say. Mm. Yeah, I think that's about it. I just think, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, cute show. Mm-hmm. And in terms of watching something 80s, if you like 80s stuff, yeah, definitely watch it. It would be probably very up your alley. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if you want more Mommy, um, again, it's funny because like the series is called Magical Angel, Creamy Mommy, and the Spoiled Princess, but it is a Megami story. Yes. In Japanese, it is a complete story. It finished in um, March of this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does look like it gets all the way to like the wedding of <laughs> Megami and Chingo. Was like, oh, really? Wow good for them i guess but again it's like why no she deserves better for sure than this guy yeah um. <laughs> i would say that uh in the comic so far from what i've read you is not focused on very much right so yeah but the, if you want to see more of her there are the two like mini movies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which yeah. are available on retro crush and at least one of them is on Tubi as well in the u.s so okay that's good to know yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is really interesting how uh, I, I'm glad that it's so accessible as well. It's again like you know everyone should check it out. At least give it a try. Give it a few episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think as of right show. now, it's the oldest Magical Girl series that's like fully freely available to watch. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I think it is. As far as like watching it in the original language with subtitles in English, I think you're probably right. I know that there are places where people have uploaded like other dub versions of older shows. Mm-hmm. Whether they're official or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> but like, probably not. Like for example, like I have been desperately trying to watch the original Princess Comet, the '60s version. You know, the first series, and mm-hmm. I can only find it in Mexican Spanish uh, online. <laughs> But, oh interesting yeah it's yeah it, the series is huge in mexico um all iterations so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's interesting like trying to find the older shows but i think yes as far as like being able to watch it in its original form in japanese you know with subtitles i think you might be right that this is the oldest one but hopefully yeah. over time we'll get some older ones too yeah Yes, I'd love for Toei to release some of the old Majoko series. Like, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell people, you know, gotta email email Toei. <laughs> Let them know. But yeah, great. So I think since that's everything we have to talk about, that means we can get to the last question, which is, um, Meg, what do you hope to see in the future of the Magical Girl genre? Well, first off, um, definitely reboots, because I'm enjoying Tokyo Mew Mew New a lot so far. Mm-hmm. And I think that a Creamy Mommy reboot would be really interesting, considering how we also have the Urusa Yatsura reboot now. Mm. It'd be interesting to revisit. And there are lots of older Magical Girl shows from 80s, 90s, 2000s that I would love to see rebooted. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of new Magical Girl shows, I would love to see more that are sort of simple and focus on more simple powers. You know, maybe less fighting. Uh, I love fighting and I love battling and magical girl shows, but it kind of became the standard after a while, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to see some more like younger audience targeted ones that sort of have Mm. uh, more simpler powers like this show. But I don't know if Mm -hmm. that happened in today's magical girl landscape. Yeah, yeah. It it would be interesting for sure. I think that there's room for it. I think that it's kind of 
it's become difficult because of the power of Peaker. <laughs> Basically, yes. it's like, like we comment a lot about how like the pandemic and everything has reduced the sales numbers for Peaker, but it's still the top girls show. Yeah, it's a juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, no matter how hard other series try to compete with it, they simply have not been able to unless they have a larger appeal to an older audience. Yeah. And even then, like, that's only goes so far. So, like, you know, I'm really glad it looks like we're going to probably keep getting more Primaji because um, it's approaching the end of the first season. But there are rumors that there will be a second season. So hopefully oh, that's cool. true. I watched yeah. a couple episodes of it. I thought it was really cute. Yeah, it's, it is great. It's definitely a very delightful series as well. Uh, again, Magical mm-hmm. Idols. And then I think that we could possibly have room for it. It's just that like Precure needs to give some space. <laughs> yes. It's hard. Because like the last big show that was not fighting basically was Dotemi. And that's like literally what happened before Precure, you know? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Hmm. But yeah, I definitely hope that we can get more um, of that someday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And you said like there were, you know, you would like to see some more reboots. Are there any other particular series that you would like to see rebooted? Ooh, um, I think Magic Knight Ray Earth could be really interesting because hmm. I already rebooted Cardcaptor Sakura, so I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. Pre tier, I know I said that last time, but I'd still love to <laughs> yeah. see it. Sure. <laughs> also, maybe Sugar Sugar Rune. Or Mermaid Melody. Those mm-hmm. two are early 2000s gems that I think would make a really good reboot since yeah. Tokyo Mew Mew is doing so well so far. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about Sugar Sugar Rune because I'm watching Megu right now. And Sugar Sugar Rune mm-hmm. is basically a modern reboot of Megu because it's like yeah, 80% the same show. I noticed that too <laughs> when I was watching Megu-chan because I haven't seen as much as you, but I was able to find some episodes that I watched. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is very the same. Like, I'm pretty sure that was like the inspiration for Sugar Sugar Room. But like, they are very different. But like, when you look at the grand scheme of Magical Girls, there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it would be interesting to see like a possible future reboot of Megu, but also a reboot of Sugar Sugar Room. If they were both able to do that, like, how would they keep them from being too similar? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they'll just do a third one that's like in the same vein and that's like a trilogy. That would be cool. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that's everything we had to talk about. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Yes, of course. <laughs> Where can people find you and follow you online to talk about Creamy Mommy and other magical girls? So you can follow me on Magical Magdad at Twitter. That's also my art Instagram account name. So you can follow me those places. And mm-hmm. I also have a webtoon. Uh, it's called Starry Sky Warrior of Love if you want to read it. And it's mm-hmm. also under Magical Magdad on webtoon. So, Yeah. Can you tell us more about what your webtoon is about? Uh, yeah, I'll keep it brief. But it's about a girl who is an alien and she lands on Earth as a baby. And then when she's around eight or nine years old, she gets magical powers and she fights evil aliens. And yeah, in the time my comic is set, she's in high school. So yeah, that's kind of the basic plot, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's very cute. So uh, definitely <laughs> looking forward to uh, reading more of it. But yeah, great. So in that case, I think we're all finished. So um, thank you again. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. You too. It was great to be back. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. If you like what we do here, please subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. Those are the best free ways to keep the podcast going. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlIU, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a person you want to hear as a guest by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about magical girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Those show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash ayushinos. You can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Kofi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the use section as we are not picky here. If for some reason you can't figure Amazon Japan out, no worries. Feel free to send the money for it via Kofi and let us know what you want us to buy. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. <laughs>